<laughs> I coughed before it started. So, hey, welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. Uh, my name is Don, and I apparently had a frog in my throat. Such an odd statement, a frog in your throat. Where, where does that even come from? Because I've never heard anybody, like, say, ribbit. I've, I've never known anybody, have I, who's actually eaten a frog. I think I've had frog legs. I, but I don't think I've ever eaten the frog. I think there's something wrong with eating. I, maybe I'm just a little too kosher. I don't think you should eat a frog. Is it? Is it in? Is it? Does it fit within the food laws? Oh heck yeah! Oh well, it don't didn't we get it into creeps that in already? It in a swamp. It's gross. Not a swamp you know, always. I mean, some, we don't have any swamps in, in Cincinnati. We've got water places. Still gross. You don't eat frogs. Frog. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna Google it. What you eat frog yet? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a frog. Are frog frogs legs. kosher? Oh. Are frogs kosher? Frog. Hey, it auto completed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's something that's searched often. Do uh, frogs? frog legs are not kosher? Okay. Frog meat is considered uh, forbidden to observant Jews, but why? Why is it? So it says most of the meat on a bullfrog. Is actually its hind legs anyway. So I guess like you eat it. Oh. Although they look so fat every... I guess the rest of it would be organs then? Uh, hey, Muslims won't eat them either. Oh, okay. See? Is that, a, I guess, Christians? Well, I guess since we have those no food laws... Yeah, we don't... Yeah, well, uh, Christians, are, you little Gentiles, do whatever you want. Uh, I mean, I am one, but... <laughs> and this one is not <laughs> eating frog legs. Oh, wait, this person is... Oh, uh, they show them in a vacuum-sealed bag. So this one, this one says, are frog legs okay to eat? It says, no. The frogs are either taken out of the wild or they are raised in farms. Farm frogs have high rates of chytrid infection. Oh. Did you get that? Chytrid, chytrid infection. And they are often large, non-relative species that prey upon native frogs. Oh. Um, that's... But I don't know. But I, I guess frog legs are still okay. Are there any kosher predators? Um, I don't believe so. I don't know. It's disgusting. Dude, why am I looking at this? Oh, no close that, the window. You're the one that had the frog in the throat. I just don't get that. What does it mean to have a frog in the throat? Everyone's like listening like, why is Don just barfing <laughs> on the microphone? Because it's gross. It's disgusting. You don't eat, I don't, you're the one who's like, told me before you would eat dog. I would totally eat dog. Hey, I'm going to turn your volume up. I just realized I'm like all oh, out in your okay. quad. Hey, I was like, Hey, guys, I mean, Scott's here. I mean, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's good, I mean, I guess because we have animals, I mean, maybe I wouldn't eat my own dog, but then again, I haven't loved my dog, so maybe I that's, would. I would. I mean, people eat their own It's not cows. kosher. It's got paws. You can't eat it. <laughs> you can't eat something with paws, man. Well, why not? Because it's not kosher. Some people in China do. That's neither here nor there. I know, and I know that like people make jokes about it, and that it's actually true. But yeah, no, bro, it's Fido, man. He's man's best friend, not man's last meal. And like, I've actually learned. I in my imagination, I always assumed it was the smaller dogs, but it's actually the bigger dogs that they eat. You're gonna get us not safe for work on this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're listening, uh, it's too late. <laughs> well, I, I have a uh, um, my my sister in law. Her family is Chinese, and so. That's just what I learned from family conversations Are you at the serious? dinner table. Yeah, I'm serious. At the dinner table? Well, yes. You don't learn that at the dinner table. You learn that after dinner when you're eating something non-dog related. I wasn't eating dog at the time. No, I'm talking about like just meat in general. Then you're like, oh, wow, this chicken tastes like dog. <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. 
Not right. It's gross. I mean, that's the, that's normal family I'm, conversation for us. Dude, I'm so Americanized. It's like there's animals you eat. They're named cow, pig, chicken, and turkey. And they're animals you don't eat. And, oh, I mean, I, like, I've had good deer and I've had bad deer. So I... I I, I don't know what the like if it's different parts of it or whatever. Sometimes so. I can think it's the way that you cooked because I've had good alligator and I've had bad alligator, and the bad alligator was you stuff don't that, eat alligator that it's bad. We we cooked it when it was bad, but then we went somewhere oh. and ate alligator it was good. Did you have Papa Do's? Uh, what's that? It's they're a chain restaurant, but they're down or up in Tri County by where Bahama Breeze used to be. No, we had this in Florida. Oh, because I know that um, we had a work function and they kept trying to get people to order the alligator was kind of the, hey, you should try the, it's like deep fried alligator. Oh, okay. I'm not, I didn't try it. We've also had kangaroo. That was really good. No, see, that's not on the list of approved <laughs> meats. No, I just, I never, I I had, we had somebody who gave us deer once and we put it in a stew and it was fine. Okay. Um, but I had deer from somebody else and I kept thinking like, this tastes like liver and I'm not a big fan of liver. Okay. But I, I, was, I was like, eh. I think it's how it's cooked too. I think. I had turtle once and never had turtle. It probably would not have been bad. It's a very, as they say, gamey mm-hmm. um, and very fishy, but it's very uh, like chewy. Okay. And if if it hadn't taken me so long to chew and swallow, I'd probably be like, oh, this isn't this isn't horrible. But like the fact that it sits in your mouth and the longer it's in there, kind of the more fresh water. It tastes, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the more I'm like, nah, this okay. is the only bite I'm having of you, turtle. I think we've had swordfish before. That's like the no, steak no, no, no. of fish. It's like really thick. I think it was swordfish. It's really thick, like a steak, mm. but it's not. It's not very fishy if if they cook it right. And then we've had duck. Have you ever had duck? Yeah, I had duck a, is good. I had it in Boston for work. I had a. It was a duck tort, so it was basically like a think like a a fancy duck pot pie. And I was like, man, this is good. But the whole time I sat there thinking I'm eating duck and it just kind of weighed a little bit too much. But it, I mean, it was it was good, but I don't know if I like if it was at a place or they had if I went back to that restaurant and had, you know, the duck tort again or, um, you know, it was like at, on a buffet table. I might take a piece again, but I would not go out of my way to order it. OK, OK. But I, a lot, I know I, I think on occasion Arby's will offer duck. Okay, I don't know if I'd eat duck at Arby's. Oh, they, dude, have you ever heard about... They've offered venison before. Really? Yeah, they do like... Like once a year, they usually do some kind of like publicity thing where select restaurants will offer some sort of game, like duck or deer or something like that. Okay. Well, you you actually live near an Arby's. Yeah, but I got... So that's my, my story. Man, we're seven minutes in. That's my story. I got um, food poisoning from it once, and I haven't been able to go back. Oh, wow. And I talked to somebody who uh, was a health department check. He said, like, they rarely have an Arby's that passes with flying colors. Really? Uh, but the thing with the health department is they come out and then they say, you need to fix these, you know, five things by the time we come out here next time. And they do the, you know, maybe every three or every six months or whatever. So they'll fix those things and then they'll go out and then they'll have six new violations. Oh, wow. But he said that out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone. Anyway, they said, he said that they, uh, their biggest thing is cross-contamination. Like they they don't do a good job of keeping their food separate. Oh, so he's like, it's not it's not a surprise you got sick, but it's also for those of you who love Arby's, it's also not the worst. I've heard that uh, the Subway room temperature meatball sub is like the worst because they keep those meatballs in there all day, and that's where the oh. most bacteria grows. But he said that art like 
Arby's is not a surprise, but it's probably not the worst place you'll go to. Yeah, I don't need fast food anyway, so I'm good. You know, I, last thing I'll say on this before we get into Deuteronomy, sorry, folks. Um, I tried to avoid fast food basically from about November until about March because I got um, uh, a coffee at McDonald's once, and that's the last thing I remember throwing up. So I don't Ooh. know. If the, I don't know if the if the coffee machine wasn't clean or if like somebody's dirty hands touched. You mm-hmm. know, like they didn't. Oh, I don't have a stir stick. I'll use my finger or you know or something. Weird, you know, whatever. Right, right. So I just kind of I try and avoid those most places except for pizza places because they bake the oven at like five thousand degrees for nine minutes. I trust that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's nothing like, that's gonna hurt you there. Yeah. Uh, or deep fried like, food even to a point. But the biggest thing is like, do they wash their hands? Well, okay. Uh, see, that's the thing. All right. Second to last thing. All right. Uh, Taco Bell, they still have to wear gloves. Hmm. Does that make Taco Bell one of the cleaner fast food restaurants? Oh, the irony. I would never hear anybody <laughs> believe that I would ever hear anybody say that. But you know what? <laughs> People aren't tuning in to hear about my fast food preferences or the fact that you eat dogs and ducks and frogs. So, and, and with this, though, um, this Deuteronomy thing has nothing to do with food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great deer in a kosher one. I know. We talked about the that, that was a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't even remember what chapter it was. What was it? Uh, um, clean and unclean. So chapter 14. So that was funny, but it's the one we just posted. <laughs> oh, was it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. In fact, uh, last... Look at episode 30-ish and you'll find it. Okay. <laughs> So 30-ish, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, however, last week we did talk about abominable practices. Abominable, abominable. That's just one to say. Yeah, abominable like, practices. <laughs> Rolls um, off the tongue. And so with his abominable practices, that has nothing to do... <laughs> that has nothing to do with food. However, it does have to do with seeking um, various ways of um, trying to find out the future. Um, and so that would be necromancing, basically through the dead, mediums, omens, sorcerers, divination, fortune tellers. So those are abominable practices. Um, and then in Deuteronomy 18, uh, verse 15, um, we get into a different way. And, and God says that, that I don't want you to look into those. You are not allowed to, to do these things. Um, and then they get into a prophet. So when it comes to knowing what's going to happen or, or receiving messages from God, um, they should not happen through those that seek out the dead or those that seek out the future, um, but can come through a prophet. And in God kind of, um, in 18 uh, verse 15, we start to see, well, well, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is appropriate for a prophet? And, and, and how do we know it's a prophet, et cetera? So um, I'll go ahead and get started reading that. <clears throat> that is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 um, through 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for you a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself require of him. But 
I blah, 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 but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods that same prophet shall die and if you say in your heart how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord if the word does not come to pass or come true that is a word that the Lord has not spoken the prophet has spoken it presumptuously you need not be afraid of him Dang. So, what you got? Uh, one thing that was interesting is that, <coughs> um, at least in this particular section, we don't get um, the punishment for the false prophet, where in many other texts, especially in the Levit- Levitical laws or the book of Leviticus for people that speak normally um, and other parts of Deuteronomy, you get the, the false prophet. Oh wait, do you get that Deuteronomy? Maybe numbers. Uh, you get that the false prophet is to be put to death. Hmm. Um, speaking on behalf of the Lord is no speaking incorrectly on behalf of the Lord or pretending to when you're not really, or faking your prophetic message is a, is a very huge offense to God. And it's a, it's something that you can be killed for. Mm. Um, I found it interesting and I couldn't find anything as far as like the, in any of the commentaries or study aids I had that said why it was left out here. But then I thought, well, maybe the onus is really on the people and them determining, uh, if the prophet is true or not so much, not so much like what you're supposed to do. Like the, the onus of this text is not on, punishing the prophet, but it's on like truly like hearing from God and what that's going to look like as the future for Israel rolls on. But yeah, I just couldn't find anything to say why it was really left out. That's one of the things that I kept trying to find and couldn't. Well, I mean, I think as we kind of study through Deuteronomy, we continue to go back to Exodus, Leviticus, or Numbers, where they've addressed it in at least one of those books, if not all of them or some or multiple. Right. And most of the time it's in a lot more detail where I think Deuteronomy is almost a rehash of the law that's already been given. Because if you're right, but we, we do see a lot of like I mean, there's a lot of sections in here where the punishment is repeated. That's true. So I just find, I just find that interesting that like uh, uh you know this is in the last verses the prophet has spoken uh it presumptuously and you need not be afraid of him as a matter of fact you can drop a heavy stone on his head and throw him off a cliff like that right. extra sentence just isn't you know uh put in there like it like I feel in many other places it would be but I my own determination and this is me standing aside from any scholar or any text because I don't have any proof. So if you if you're gonna quote me on it, just know that like it's a BS in biblical studies. Like there's, <laughs> there, you're you're quoting that guy. You know you're not quoting like a, a masters in theology or something. But I just think that the the cue uh, or the cue the point of the text here is to say I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna speak, and this is how you differentiate if it's me or not. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessarily a warning to them against being false prophets. It's more or less a uh, a fatherly advice of this is what my voice is going to sound like and this is how you can determine if it's something I would do. Mm, okay. But that's that's the best I could come up with Right. for that. And yeah. I, like I said, I know that's not the point of the text. It's just something I, I kept looking for. Well, I always wondered, like, so one of the questions that, I, you know, I've, I guess I've, uh, so I guess a prophet being a messenger from God and, and a question is, is, you know, when you're, you're talking about false prophets, how do you know what a false prophet is? And, and it's someone where, you know, they're, 
shoot, where, where was it? Um, do, 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 hmm. um, anyway, you speak something and it does not come to pass or come true, then it wasn't a word spoken from God. And, and it, it's always been one of those that I've wondered, well, what about those prophets like Jeremiah or like Isaiah, when you don't always see the immediate response to, <laughs> oh, yeah. to what they're saying. Well, <laughs> well, crap, they're, they're, I mean, what do, you, what do you do in that situation? I mean, because you didn't see it come to pass, but later on, I guess, in our current context, we go, oh, well, wait a second. And I mean, I guess some of their prophecies came true, but I mean... But what, what about the ones that would say something like, they will come and destroy... <clears throat> Israel in 30 years, <laughs> you right. know, kind of thing like, well, we're set our watches, <laughs> Jeremiah. Well, and sometimes maybe even longer, depending on, <laughs> I mean, depending on what the prophecy yeah. was. Right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I actually, I took out of uh, the one commentary I had, and he did credit uh, Christopher Wright a lot on this. So if this is something you've heard before, you got a, a repeat of, I'm sorry, I'm stealing all your notes. Okay, go for it. Um, he kind of gave a, an outline of like the four elements of what this text points out a, a prophet should be. Um, and the first, he, he states that a prophet will be a matter of uh, divine initiative. So the first thing we're looking for is God is appointing the prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody will be self-appointed or self, it won't be self-perpetuating. It won't be... Uh, passed down through generations. You won't get the title like as you would a king. There's no monarchy on the prophecy. It's straight up. God will appoint them. He raises them up, and then he speaks through them. There's no... Um, you, you can't, like, enroll in prophet school. Um, you can't, you know... You, you could probably pray and say, God, if it be your will, like, use me as your prophet. But in reality, there was no... It wasn't like a squire for a night. <laughs> like, there wasn't a training program for prophets. Um, and I would argue that even though when we could get into um, the cessationist versus continuation and the gift of prophecy and the office versus the gift of prophecy and stuff like that. Right. But um, I would argue today if you hear things like um, like somebody making money off of it, a prophecy school or saying that they can make you a prophet in three easy steps or if you see a book with something like that, I would be really wary. Yep. Of that, um, especially because I personally, while I believe in the continuation of the gift of prophecy, I don't believe that the office of prophet is open. I think uh, Jesus closed that door. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we walk around because the prophet held the same authority as scripture. As a matter of fact, the words of the prophets are written in the scriptures. Right. So for that to exist nowadays would mean that we could add on to the Bible, and I just don't believe that. Yeah. Um, so... Sorry, I got on a little bit of a soapbox there. Um, uh, the second uh, element was a true prophet so, follows God's model, but you want to say something. So yeah, go on. We, yeah. So can we go back to that? So, so I think part of uh, what you were talking about is, is the Lord is the one that raises someone up. Yeah. So in verse 15, that's where it says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. And then in verse 18, it says something, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, being specifically focused on Moses. So, so in both of those circumstances, we're not talking about someone who is self-appointed, someone who's trained, someone who's voted in politically. It is, right. it is ultimately, it is God who raises up that prophet. So you can't say, I'm, I'm a prophet. Um, so I think those are kind of the scriptures that, that Christopher Wright or um, Grisanti, I'm assuming, ends up pulling out of, um, pulling out a scripture. Right. And you think I put those references down? No. <laughs> no. 
Well, I'm assuming because Grisanti, you would, yeah. That is I figured I'd memorize them. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right, though. He, yeah. he, he is pulling. These four elements are what comes out of this section. Right. So they're, he, basically, they're just kind of pulling out some of the text. So all right, yeah. what was the next one you had? Uh, well, this is you kind of talked about this. A true prophet follows God's model. He'll be like Moses, and he'll be as a mediator between God and man. And so we, we see that in verse 15 also and verse 18. So both of those... Um, it says, like me, so Moses is the one speaking, so God will raise up a prophet like me, so Moses, and then later on, um, I will raise up for you, so verse 18, a prophet like you from among their brothers. Um, so yeah, once again, so we see Moses as kind of the model of kind of what a prophet would look like, and then verse 16, where we're talking about kind of um, how the prophet plays a mediator but between the people and God. Um, so it says... Um, uh, raise a pro or the, will raise so the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, "Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die." And the Lord said to me, "They are right in what they have spoken." So um, it is the people that had asked in a way for, for, for prophets to exist for that mediator, <laughs> Moses being the first, um, and and others kind of following throughout. So in a way, you could say that the prophet was uh, a gift or a blessing to the people because looking on, you know, uh, the face of God or hearing his voice was enough. I mean, they obviously didn't see his face, um, but it was even hearing the voice that was scaring them. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, gracious enough to say, OK, I understand. So I'm going to raise up people to speak on my behalf, yep. which brings us to number three. All right. What's number um, three? This is actually the second half of verse 18, but a true prophet speaks God's message this way. This is why the prophet can say, the Lord says, or thus saith the Lord. Second part of that verse says, and I will put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them all that I command him. So he's going right out and saying, they're going to speak on behalf of me. They're going to say the words carry the weight of God in right. this instance. And the last one is a true prophet carried God's authority and spoke in his name uh, as an ambassador. So uh, rejecting the message was also to reject God. And that is, was it? I think that's and still who, part of It's 19. Oh, 19. Uh, close. Um, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So it's, um, wait. Actually, though, a word in my name. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, but sorry, go on. So you said earlier, sorry, I don't know if to make a tangent, but it says the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Oh, that's true. So I guess it does hit that. Well, it says he'll die, but he doesn't give the actual punishment. Okay. <clears throat> I was going to say it sucks either way, right? Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I saw it was... Yeah, I won't go back too far on that. But yeah, there's definitely that part where I was like, well, <clears throat> it would be interesting to know why it was kind of, a, they shall die, but he doesn't say like, you shall put him to death or okay. you shall, like the next part with the city of refuge in chapter 19, spoiler warning, um, there's definitely some rules laid out as to, I mean, there's even an example like laid out, right? Like, you know, you're chopping wood and it's not as gruesome as you think, but <laughs> anyway, uh, so the other part is like a true prophet, um, has that same authority from God and you're, you need to listen to that person because it's the same as listening to me. Mm -hmm. So, 
Now, I also thought it was interesting, though, because I, I know sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, well, wait, okay, the prophet's message, oh, it was fulfilled. Um, so it must be words from God, and it must be from God. Well, wrong, um, because I think it was in, what, Deuteronomy 13, that we actually addressed that same very issue. Um, it was Deuteronomy 13.1, and it says... Well, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign oh, or yeah. wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your s- and with all your soul. You should walk after the Lord and fear him and keep his commandments, and basically later on it says, but the prophet or the dreamer or dream shall be put to death because he taught rebellion against the Lord your God. So um, just because something does come true when someone tells you stuff, and and, and really, uh, although um, the role of the prophet, whether you believe it exists or whether you don't believe that it exists, I think I'm going to have to lean towards, towards Don. I think that... The, the office, yeah. The, yeah, uh, the office of... I'm not saying prophetic words, I'm assuming, or... Yeah, I'm so. Uh, since we haven't offended the uh, cessationists in a while, um, I am continuationist, so I believe that uh, prophecy as a gift, whether that's words of knowledge, uh, words of wisdom, uh, words of exhortation, uh, I believe that that gift still exists. I believe in its simplest form, it comes uh, straight out of the mouth of people praying for each other. Um, even to the point of praying scripture over each other into the more elaborate uh, view, I believe that sometimes when praying for somebody, we might be given a word to give them or we might uh, have a, you know, maybe a, a, an image in our mind or something that we are to communicate to them that is from God himself. But I do not believe in any way that these are, like prophecies now are authoritative in this, in the same sense that like biblical prophecy was, right. and I don't believe that um, uh, we should just listen and believe somebody who says they have a prophetic word without testing them right. in similar ways. Well, which I think we can test them by some of these things that we saw here in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. um, but also there's uh, still going to be false teachers that exist, right? Um, and so we need to to be aware of. False did, prophets, did, false teachers. Did I, did I ever tell you about my my run in with a false prophet? No. It was is actually a point where I was um, really examining uh, a very charismatic sect of Christianity that was kind of buzzing here locally. Uh, this is. 16, 17 years ago. I think maybe. I know which one you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. th- this is a long time ago, um, and. I went to one of their gatherings and they had a quote-unquote prophet come in from another city who spent the first day that he was there prophesizing over the city of Cincinnati. And then he, uh, the next night he was going to pray one-on-one for people. And I listened to his prophecies over Cincinnati and it was very uh, uh, political, which I found interesting. Hmm. Um, so I had already had my skeptic meter like kind of raging high at that point. Um, telling us who specifically to vote for at that time to ensure seven years of peace. Oh wow! I was like, oh, that's a that seems interesting um, and one sided. <laughs> um, and then uh, he so the next night he's praying people and he's like lining people up or whatever. And so uh, under some peer pressure, I stood in the line 
And I, I said, Lord, if this guy's a false prophet, just don't let him say anything to me. Like, I don't even want to hear it. Like, just Lord, please let him like, like close his mouth kind of thing. I, I don't want to hear anything coming out of it. That's not truth. Uh, and I was like in a place well, like kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, not a dark place, but definitely like in the, not in the mood for it place, right. you know? Um, and so he goes through the line and he's like rattling stuff off to people, people, he gets to me, closes his eyes, puts his hand on my shoulder, takes his hand on my shoulder, goes right to the next person. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, Oh, <laughs> so this guy's a false prophet. And I just got, I just at that point just, you know, got my stuff and left. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just like, that was amazing. That is kind of cool. <laughs> so still, I, they still exist today. Yeah. Oh, you, did you Google? Them? No, I was looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's I awesome, know though. we had a few people at the, the church I'm currently at that, uh, had still existed. They had still gone down there a couple of times, but okay. they, uh, have gone off to different States and stuff like that. So like they've never raised a ruckus at the church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I go to. <laughs> That's good. All right. So. So anyway, okay, yeah, I, that is awesome though. That's a yeah, know, that's a, one of those things where you're like, oh, that's a, I don't know, a gay, it was a pretty powerful, yeah, yeah, it was a powerful affirmation for me to watch out and be wary of people that say they're prophetic, mm-hmm. or, or well, I mean, not only that, but to, to prophet, say they are prophets. Yes. Um, I have prayed with some people and been on teams with some people and prayed for some people and have just really seen. Uh, God work through that prayer, whether, like I said, it was like an exhortation or an affirmation for them um, in ways that like will kind of, you know, twist your brain a little bit. Like, did I really just say that to them? And did they really like repeat back to me that that's what's been going on or that's something that they've been worried about? Or, you know, like just some really cool stuff I've seen go down. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Lord will still use us as his mouthpiece I just don't believe that he will use us as a way to be authoritative. And I, th- I think that nowadays there's still, I think it's subsided a little bit, but I think there's still like a, a want to know the future, kind of like the way he talked about uh, in Deuteronomy last episode, mm-hmm. uh, a way to divinate or to have your fortune told more so than to hear God tell you. So, so what do you, so just out of curiosity, what do you think about that? Cause I know back in the day, I would say we're, we're coming from a similar, um, I'm going to say college age background. Um, That's a good way to put it. where about the time that, that we were in college or the age of college, um, we were going to the same church or at least running in the same circle. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was those the idea that people could get prophetic words, and sometimes people would strive to get prophetic words from from people that are praying for them. So, what do you think about that? And and again, I know we didn't prep this question. It was just kind of one of those things where, I guess, in my mind, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe I'll let you go with it, <laughs> and then go. Well, okay. So here's here's my thought process where. So if we're supposed to seek God out, if you're seeking God out through other people trying to hear from God, is that a similar thing to, say, um, seeking out your future without looking directly towards God? Do you not see a problem with that? Is that something we should go to God directly as opposed to going somewhere somewhere else? Am I making any sense with That's my, a lot my of question? Questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that... Um I think there's a line like I believe and I've gone to people purposefully for prayer 
And when I go to them for prayer, it's because, um, one, I think we're commanded to pray for each other and I think it's a good thing. So, Agreed. Um, but there are times when I seek out additional prayer, maybe something more one-on-one or something's, uh, you know, in my life is like burdening me a lot more than usual, or I'm going through a harder time, or there is a big decision coming up or a big health matter. Pardon me. So I will go seek out prayer from people. I don't normally personally say, Hey, pray for me and tell me what you hear from God. I usually say, Hey, let's sit down and pray. And, you know, I just kind of wait and see what happens. And I think that's more the question because. I very much believe in the power of prayer and asking others to pray for for things or about things or for wisdom. Mm-hmm. But again, I know sometimes there's there's a crowd of people that, that seek those that, that I'm going to put in quotes because uh, I'm going to put in quotes with my fingers. Um, <laughs> the um, Those that have a prophetic gifting mm-hmm. and they seek those that have, quote, a prophetic gifting and their desire is to hear a word from God through someone else. And many times I have heard them seeking that specifically for um, a decision or, or what God has in store for them for the future. Is this a similar thing similar thing to the abominable? Just try to say that. I, I Practices think, or is this not? I would argue yes, that you're, you're seeking out a person to tell you the future in some ways. I think that that is abominable. I think it's um, a fear and a lack of trust in God. But let me, let me expand that a little bit because I, I like, okay, so now I've just made all the continuationists mad. <laughs> um, however, I, so this will teach you to come to my church. Um, uh, my wife and I actually lead up the prayer team at our church. Mm-hmm. So w- we train people. Uh, we bring people in. We take prayer requests. Uh, we lead people in how to pray for those that come in. And we encourage people to be open, even if they are cessationists, to be open to listening and hearing from God and being willing to co- communicate to people if they believe they've heard something. Now, we put in all sorts of disclaimers like, hey, I'm praying for you right now. My heart feels really heavy for your son, you know, or something like that. Um, I, is there anything that we can pray about for your son? Are, are ways that we would ask people to frame that, you know, or if, uh, let, let's say you had a really powerful message where um, you're praying for somebody and uh, like God tells you, hey, this person's straight up in an adulterous relationship and I want them to end it. And I'm using that example because that happened to me once and I actually <laughs> lost uh, friendships over it. Oh, no. Um, not from my current church, but at right. a time past. When I was younger, it wasn't quite as wise with my words, I think, <laughs> after the fact. Um, I would say like, hey, man, um, I just have a sense that maybe there's some uh, sin or something that we might want to confess or... Uh, do you want to sit down and talk about some sin that might be in your life at this point? Or, or, or I might say something like, hey, the, the Lord, you know, recognizes you're coming in for prayer, but like, I believe that there might be some unrepentant sin that's going on or something that you may, might need to face. Like, I might not be, I might not come right out and be like, bro, I know you're in that adulterous relationship, but I've never had it like that clear either. Like, I've right. never had the Lord be like, he's an adulterer, smite, I will smite him if he does, you know, but I have had the, so, okay, I'll tell the story. Um, I was in a Bible study with what is basically the equivalent of what we would have probably called the emerging church movement, but I did not know it at the time. Um, it was a very artsy, very Unitarian, very uh, open, but I was a new Christian, so I just heard the words Bible study and thought, they're like, oh, this is how it goes. 
So we're this Bible study, and we're all sitting there praying um, afterwards. It was just something we kind of did. And uh, there's a, a guy in the room, and uh, uh, I'm debating if I'll use his name. There's a guy in the room, and he was getting ready to get married to the Bible study leader's sister. So he basically started coming around when he was dating her, and then he was going to uh, get married to her. So, so we'll call him Fred? Yeah, we'll call him Fred. Um, I'm praying, and like I seriously get this thought in my head that Fred and his uh, fiance uh, need to seek to honor God before marriage um, and to like seek a, a purity, you know, mm-hmm. nothing unbiblical about any of that. So I'm, so I'm over there and I'm like kind of praying. I like walk up to Fred and I'm like, Hey Fred, um, I've just been praying over there and I got kind of this, uh, you know, feeling that I should tell you that, like, hey, man, strive for purity before marriage. Strive to honor God before your marriage. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, that's a good thing. And, like, there's, you know, good things in Scripture about honoring God. So, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know what's going on, but maybe just, you know, make sure that's, you know, what's going on in your relationship. You right. know, kind of like trying to stumble around it by not offending or whatever. Well, Bible or the prayer gets over, you know, Bible study is kind of like in a conversation mode. People are, you know, cleaning up their stuff, getting ready to leave. And Fred kind of addresses the room and says, who here would agree that if you're uh, dating somebody and you're, you're really close to marriage, that maybe that marriage has already happened in your hearts? Oh, no. So at that point, a lot of things happen. One, um the relationship between Fred and I really fell apart quickly Mm -hmm. to the point where Fred's future brother-in-law was like, yeah, Fred doesn't come here anymore to Bible study because you're here. Oh, okay. Um, So basically at at that point, I inadvertently yet advertently, is that a word? Uh, Caught out Fred's sin and Fred was not comfortable with that being called out. Well, I would say that he kind of admitted that when he said that. Married in your... Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, hey, I we're mean, already shows, fornicating, basically. Okay, is that okay if I... Who who here is going to be against that? Right. And, and sadly, everybody there agreed with Fred mm-hmm. that that was a good way to go. Um, if I was praying for somebody like that now and somewhere I came across, I might encourage them uh, still to, you know, honor God prior to marriage. Um and but I would probably I I don't remember the exact words I used, but I'm pretty sure I, I was pretty blunt about what was going on. Right. Um I, I would probably be a little bit less and a little bit more like, hey, and if you want to talk about that, like or you want to continue to pray about like honoring uh both your fiance or your wife or whoever and uh God afterwards, like, hey man, I'd love to go out and talk to you sometime, or if you have any questions, or if I can keep praying for you, you have a way I can, you know, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. kind of try and draw out of them a little bit more and be a little bit more loving about it. So all that to say, I, I, I encourage people to pray in a way that is probably more prophetic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that in Corinthians, when Paul says, "Desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy." But he then he caveats it with there is no greater one than greater one being a gift than love. I believe that if you have that gift, if you have that love to give, the gift will be given in love. Mm-hmm. However, we should desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, doesn't mean to me that one has a proclivity to being prophetic over somebody else, if that makes sense. Yes. If somebody's on a prayer team and they're praying for hundreds of people a week, not that we are, or mm-hmm. if you're praying for dozens of people a week, or you're constantly in situations where you are praying for people, 
I would not be surprised if you were more prophetic in nature in your prayers because you're spending time before God. You're learning what God's like. You're learning what the words are like, and you're communicating these to other people. If you're not praying for people and you're not seeking God and you don't know his voice, don't be surprised if you're not, you know, prophetic. Right. Um, where all the cessationists are like, or if you're not at all. <laughs> um, but there's other spiritual gifts to pray for as well. Gifts of healing, um, are mentioned. I think that if you go to hospitals and you pray for a lot of people who are sick or you're on that mercy or care ministry where you're constantly praying for people who are hurting, I think, I'm not saying that you might see, uh, you know, everybody's cancer go in remission. However, I think you're going to be in a position to see more people's cancer go in remission. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't believe that we can be prophets or healers. Um, I, I think that it's, if like, let's say for example, you're really good with hospitality. You're always trying to get people to do stuff. You, you're like, Hey, let's go see, you know, movies. Let's go do a video game night. Let's go hang out. Just guys, let's go get pizza. Like you naturally have a bend towards hospitality and you constantly practice it. I think you're going to appear to operate in a gift of hospitality. Right. Um, that's something you, and I'm speaking guys, this is serious. Scott is naturally a hospitable person, um, naturally extroverted. And I think that like people are going to feel safe and comfortable around you. They're going to enjoy your personality. They're going to want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're constantly putting it out there that you want to do that. And you often want to do that for God's glory. Right. Hey, let's get some time just as this guy so we can talk. And our conversations are sometimes about, superhero movies, sometimes about uh, sports, sometimes about, you know, whatever happens to be, but it always turns back to God. And so it's like your natural want and desire is to talk about things of scripture, things of God. And, and I think that's why we see you operate in that. So I, all that to say, if somebody's proclaiming that they are prophetic or prophet, I would probably want to see their life Mm -hmm. and see how they're working. And I would say that your, you know, your church has probably already identified people that are prayer warriors um, that might appear to be operating in these gifts, but they're only really operating in these gifts because they spend their time as prayer warriors. Right. So I, that was a long tangent, you know, kind of thing. I think I sat in something sticky. Uh, you never know down here. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It looks like some of my spot. Yeah. I cleaned your chair for you. Sorry. We're, <laughs> we're in my basement and the kids' playroom. So there's a little bunny, a couple of naked baby dolls, <laughs> um, markers and, and coloring stuff all over the place. And potentially somebody had a Capri Sun <laughs> and spilled it on this chair. <laughs> it is now on his pants. It's not that um, bad. Not a big deal. It was a couple. I was like, What's, why am I sticking to the chair? <laughs> no big deal. So we're, we're trying to teach them to clean. However, um, there are eight and... Two sixes. Oh, don't, so, don't get me started. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I sit. It, um, <laughs> that's where he sits on Capri. That's Sun. where I sit in the sticky chair. <laughs> I, on that, did I answer your question or did I just completely? No, I think bleh. you did. <laughs> and again, this is a lot of what you're going to. Um, again, just kind of a reminder as we go through this podcast. If you're incredibly angry now, or whether you're like, oh, okay, or whatever realize that, that we're legitimately digging into scripture together. That was not a question that I was like, ooh, here's my pre-planned question. We really go through the study throughout the week, and then we look at, okay, well, we look at our lives, we look at our Christian culture, we look at the original context where it was created, and we're like, well, how is this... Um, 
how is this applicable to the original culture when God spoke and how does it transfer over to, to our world today? And, and yeah. so again, that was a legitimate question that, that yeah. I had been processing through is, well, is this the same? Is this different? Is there any relation to it? Do, um, do you remember Rusty? Yes. Um, do you remember Bill? Bill, he was like an unofficial rusty. He had glasses, kind of longish hair. Maybe. What was his last name? I can't remember. Okay. I I I, I know Rusty's last name, but I, I was yeah, don't I was say, protecting yeah. the innocent. Um, um, because I feel like if I heard his, I, I I think I do, but I'm not for sure. He was kind of like this vagabond that would like appear randomly for long periods of time, and then he'd disappear for a while. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, anyway, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I asked him one time. I was like, "Hey, you're you're always on prayer teams and stuff like that, and you always seem to." Uh, be someone that people like kind of seek out for prayer. And I was like, so like, what, why is that? And what, what's that about? And he said, well, I think a lot of times people want to hear from the Lord and I have a reputation of being somebody that you can go to receive prayer and people will hear from the Lord. He's like, and, and he's the one who kind of built that framework that I explained for me. He was like, basically I'm just always in situations where I'm praying for people. So I'm probably going to hear from the Lord a bit more. Um, than someone who doesn't. And I, I don't think he spoke that in a, a egotistical way or in a pompous or presumptuous way like the scripture says. I think he was just being matter of fact, like, well, I spent a lot of time praying. So, you know, people kind of look at me as that prayer guy and they right. they kind of come expecting. I think that that's also, though, kind of where the line can be, where we talk about like that people going to seek for divination, people going to seek out Bill because they know that they he might hear from God is a good thing. Uh, people going to seek out Bill because they think he somehow possesses like the magic words or the spells or the incantations that bring about the words from God. That's a bad thing. Um, I don't know. I don't recall ever seeing Bill like advertise his powers or something. You know, like I never saw that. Um, And I would say that he was probably one of the more humble people that I've met. Um, And him and I had a lot of uh, good prayer times. I, I met him one time when I was having a really rough time and I, I, I went to go get prayer and he was the prayer team guy. And I recognized him because I had seen him at like occasional oddball Bible studies and stuff like, oh, I, I know that face, you know, I'll go to him. Um, and I, I believe that he loves the Lord and operates in a comfort level with the Lord that I, I would love to have. Um, of course, I haven't spoke to him in 10 years. He could be a complete... Uh, apostate now for all I know. Um, but at, at that time, I think that um, what Bill was doing was just being obedient, uh, praying for people. The Lord gave him a heart to pray for people and he did it. Um, I think where it could be dangerous is people thinking like Bill has, uh, uh, you know, like I said before, like a, a magic spell book of things that makes God appear. And, and people want to control the ability to like see God. I think that gets dangerous. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So I was just curious. Um, cessationist, I love you. I love so many of you that are cessationists. Um, I, it, you can argue with me if you want to shoot an email. I'm ready for it. Uh, I, I believe you have a argument. I just don't personally think it's a convincing one. I still love you. Listen to our podcast. Don't be mad. <laughs> um, hey, and if it bugs you, just think, I'm not quite to the level of Sam Storms. All right? I'm a little less charismatic than that guy. All right. All right. And, and again, it, it's one of those that, I mean, we're in the dialogue together. We're, we're digging into scripture. Um, 
and by no means are we are we trying to purposely pull out things that, that we don't believe are in scripture and are we always humble enough to to be proven that, to be shown that we're misinterpreting scripture in some way um, absolutely uh, and I think that's kind of one of the things that, that hopefully we can communicate with this podcast is, do we have everything 100% correct? Oh, I'm, I'm sure we probably don't. Um, are we striving to understand scripture in its original context and, and trying to figure out how it applies to our lives today? Absolutely. Um, so again, I mean, if you genuinely um, struggle with anything we talked about today, please send us an email. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, it, maybe we'll read some of them online and be like, well, here's yeah. what some of the other people have, have mentioned about what we discussed a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, we'll go ahead and read them and, and give th- give stuff to people to think about and pray about. Um, because we're, we're not... It's one of those we don't necessarily believe that when you sit in church that you know everything that the preacher says you should be like oh yes oh yes oh yes um, we genuinely think that you should seek out scripture and God's word and and um, contemplate and meditate on it and pray about it um, so that no. we're hoping that you're we're do, you're doing that with Deuteronomy as well and I, when you say that I would say that one really good thing to do. Um, uh, with us or with your your pastor in church on Sunday, uh, a really good thing to do is to study along. Uh, so if you're listening to us because we're witty or something, first of all, you're doing it wrong because we're not. Yeah. Uh, second, like I assume that most people that are listening to this are kind of going through Deuteronomy. They're reading it. And they're kind of using us as somewhat of an audio commentary mm-hmm. to a point. Um, and maybe you've bought you know Christopher Wright's book and you're kind of going along with that or whatever it happens to be. Um, that's cool. Do that. Continue to study. Find other resources as well. Good scholarly resources. We have that resources podcast that you yep. can listen to that's out there. Um, it's out there somewhere. It's just called like resources. Uh, you can find it. Um, with your pastor at your church. So my church right now is going through Ephesians. By the time this podcast airs, though, we'll probably have moved on to the next <laughs> one. Uh, but we're going through Ephesians. And one of the things you can do Read through Ephesians along with your church, if you're expositional like we are. Mm-hmm. Um, expositional meaning we go book by book. So yeah. we're going to go, hey, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses X through X, and we're going to read these, and my pastor's going to preach on them. Um, read along with your pastor. Uh, study along. If he recommends resources, maybe grab them up. Uh, maybe look for other well-recommended resources to study along with. Mm-hmm. Um, your pastor should be a trustworthy person. Right. You should be in a church where you can trust what your pastor's saying. He should have a similar doctrinal bend that you have. Um, and you should know this like pretty quickly. Like if you're, if you're, if you're constantly like, man, I don't know if that's right. You're probably kind of in a church that could be a little scary. And you might have to, you know, pray about your role there. Right. But if you're, you're doing it, read along with it, ask elders, <clears throat> pastors, small group leaders, questions about what you're studying at the church at that time. Say, hey, I was going through Ephesians along with you, and it seems like, you know, God's really saying that uh, I'm, you know, an amazing, wonderful person. But in the next round, he's saying, like, maybe I'm not so amazing and wonderful. What do you make of this, Pastor? And they can help lead you through that uh, kind of thing. I'm just doing that because chapters one and two, it's like, you're awesome. And then chapter two, it's like, but not that awesome. (laughs) So, you know, kind of go through that, that kind of stuff and seek it out. Mm -hmm. But this turned into a PSA. Um, <laughs> uh, to, I guess to kind of shift gears back to this section of Deuteronomy, um, the Lord will raise up a lot of prophets for, for the people of Israel, uh, throughout 
the the rest of the the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, the books are named after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also going to see some with great power, some that are kind of on the scene really quickly um, and don't do a lot. But you're still going to see others that uh, like Elijah, who's got like this, and Elisha, who <laughs> all but tormented kings um, <laughs> and have these great legacies throughout the Old Testament of obeying God, speaking on behalf of God, and in addition, doing signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. Uh, through God. And so this is kind of... And really thinking through them, I can't think of any of, of them that were like, oh, I asked for this job. Um, oh, no. Well, Ezekiel. even Moses, who is giving this as a prophetic message here. <coughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't think really any of the prophets that I can think of offhand was like, Ezekiel, no, Ezekiel I want... <laughs> he definitely shouldn't have asked for that job. Is it, so Ezekiel, for those of you wondering, he's like the prop comic of... Well, take out the word comic. Um, <laughs> he's a hands-on prophet. A lot of like... He goes out and does like demonstrations, mm-hmm. like you will lay on the side for three <laughs> days, and then you will what? What? You will bake some bread, but it will be made. It, wait, like, Lord, I got a question about the fuel because <laughs> there's human dung and animal dung. <laughs> if you're wondering what I'm saying, read Ezekiel. If yeah. you're under the age of say 16, um, get your parents' consent. Ooh, I'm gonna have to go look at the children's Bible version of that. You know what? Almost every children's Bible I see does like, hey, it's the dry bones passage, and uh, that's it. Okay. They forget about the part where like Ezekiel is like looking through walls and like walking around like basically invisible, spying on priests. The, and miss all the good parts. I know all the creepy freaking parts. Of that. <laughs> that, so. That's an apocalyptic book mixed with a prophetic literature. Okay. Actually, I think Christopher Wright actually does a commentary on Ezekiel. You know, I have a commentary on Ezekiel, and it was not a good commentary. <laughs> I would see. love to get something better. Let me see. I think Christopher Wright. Christopher. Okay, I totally spelled that wrong. Christopher Wright. Um, and then Ezekiel. It's like Ezekiel. All right. I uh, put it into uh, Amazon and I get Ezekiel it bread. It is, yes. So Christopher Wright has a book on Ezekiel. Yes, he um, does. Mm-hmm. And he's got a... Ooh, it's, ooh, it wasn't in a Kindle version a couple years ago. All I was right. just going to say, it's in Kindle. Yeah, it wasn't a couple years ago. And if you ago, have Kindle just, Unlimited, it's free, but I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. He, I think he's got one on Jeremiah as well. Now, I've got a commentary on Jeremiah. I can't remember who it's by. I'll have to check it out. But hey, actually, people, while we do that, um, we're basically out of time here. Oh, wow. Okay. So we did not get nearly as far as usual, and we tangented a lot. But I hope that uh, overall it's useful to you. The biggest thing I would take away from this is God rose up mediators and mouthpieces. He told the people to listen to them. He told them how to test them. Um, And he did it because of his grace towards his people. Mm -hmm. So... Do you have anything to add to that? That's it. No, I think we're good. And um, next week we'll start with chapter 19. All right. We'll talk about cities of refuge and axe heads flying off and killing people. Absolutely. Good times. See you guys. Bye.